praise. Amen. Youth and children, you are dismissed. You can go ahead and make your way to the back. Thank you, singers and musicians. You guys do a, a wonderful job each and every week, every service, ushering us into the very presence of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for that. If you have your word, you're staying in the sanctuary, go ahead and turn to Mark chapter 11. And we're going to try to finish up what I started last week. So tonight's uh, title is Have Faith in God Part 2. Because last week was just too good. I couldn't stop. I didn't want to rush through it. So we don't have to. There's no... There's no reason to rush. So uh, last week we ended with the understanding, I hope, of the importance of a genuine faith, a faith of your own, not a faith that you see in someone else, a faith that maybe you were taught by your parents, which is great. Parents were to live this life out in front of our children each and every day, but there comes a point in each and every one of our lives where we have to develop a faith of our own. We have to uh, respond to the drawing of the Holy Spirit and, uh, and make it personal because he's a personal Savior. He's a God who longs to have intimate relationship with each and every one of us. But we've got to invite that. We've got to nurture that uh, and allow the Holy Spirit to grow that in our lives. So when we realize... Um, that when our faith is properly placed in the finished work of Jesus Christ, and by that, I mean all that was accomplished at Calvary, everything that was accomplished, and that is everything. Every sin was atoned for. Every bondage was broken. Every uh, sickness was healed. Everything that we will ever have need of was accomplished on Calvary's cross. And when our faith is there, We are exemplifying not only faith in God, but the faith of God. And I know Jason has mentioned it a couple times since last Wednesday night because it's such a powerful revelation that that the Lord wants to give each of us is that when we place our faith in the finished work of Calvary, we are evidencing the faith of God, and that is powerful. That's a faith that we can't produce in and of ourselves. That's the faith that the Holy Spirit gives to us and and works through us. That's the same faith that spoke the words, rise and be healed. The same faith that spoke the words, go and sin no more. The same faith that spoke the words, take up your bed and walk. That's the faith of God, folks. And that's the kind of mountain-moving faith that Jesus is talking about in this passage, in this portion of Scripture. Now, it's not that you're going around speaking things into existence. Don't go there with this portion of Scripture. It's not a name it and claim it um, right. It's not something that the Lord has given to us. But it is uh, the truth that we believe that he said it, and that settles it. He said it, and we believe it, and that settles it. You are exhibiting faith in the finished work, and know that that is enough. That's all you need. You don't need a sign. You don't need a wonder. You don't need a miracle to believe. Now, I love seeing them. We all do. But we don't need that to believe that he is who he says he is. 1 Corinthians 1, 
21 through 24. And tonight, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, just like last week, I'm going to be giving you a lot of scripture. And it's for your benefit, for you to take notes, to write these scriptures down, to go back later on this week and look them up. Why? Because the word is life. It's living. It's the breath of God. And we need as much of it in us as we can possibly contain. Amen? So 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 24 says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. And it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them who believe. For the Jews require a sign. And the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's what I'm talking about tonight. We don't need a sign. We don't need a miracle. We don't need a wonder. I'm talking about tapping into the very power of God. How do we access that power? By properly placing our faith in the finished work of Calvary. Oh, well, it can't be that simple. It can't be that easy. It is. You have to believe it. It's the way that the Lord has laid out simple faith and grace. That's it. We must understand that genuine faith is required of us. Faith that believes and does not doubt. Faith that must be centered in the Lord. He said, have faith in God. That was the command that Jesus gave to the disciples. Have faith in God. See, faith doesn't rest in the power of faith itself, but in the very power of God. I told you last week, we all have faith in something. You had faith in that chair that when you sat down tonight, it was going to hold you, right? We had faith in that. We have faith that when we go out to our car and we put the key in the ignition and turn it on, that it's going to crank. Now, a lot of times, it don't happen. <laughs> but I have faith that my husband's going to figure out why, right? And he always does. But we all exhibit faith in something. But our faith must be anchored in Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. Uh, some of these uh, faith preachers, they uh, try to um, put it off on the size or the amount of your faith. But that's never been the issue. The size or the amount of our faith has never been the issue. Because in Matthew 17, verse 20, it says, And Jesus said unto them, If you have faith, as the size of a mustard seed. So it's never been about the size. It's where our faith is placed, the object of our faith. And that has to be the cross where our victory was won. So tonight I'm going to pick up uh, reading verses 24 through 26. And surely you're there by now. Mark chapter 11, verses 24 through 26. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire... When you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive, if you have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Wow, right? 
What a promise that the Lord has given to not only his disciples, but to whosoever will follow him. All that will believe on the name of Jesus Christ shall be saved. And every promise in this book is for whosoever will. For whosoever will believe, you have rights to that promise. Now, we have to break, starting with uh, Scripture uh, verse 24, we have to break this down to really understand what's being said. So the first part of verse 24 says, What things soever you desire. When one has come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you no longer desire the things you once desired. You should not have a desire for the things of this world. Why? Because you are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are made new. Above everything else, our desire should be to do the will of the Father. That should be our desire as believers, to do the will of the Father. Matthew 6 and 33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's his desire, that we seek him first in every area of our life. See, we should desire a godly spouse. Not someone else's godly spouse, but our own godly spouse, right? We should desire a good job. We should desire, you know, these things. These are good things to desire. But bottom line is, when we are seeking to do the will of God, we will only want what God desires. And what God desires is not going to harm someone else in the process. It's not going to break things up. It's not, it's not going to tear things down. Because I've heard it before. I've, I've watched whole churches split. Oh, well, I just know the Lord sent this person into my life. Well, no, the Lord sent that person to that person's life, and now you're trying to take that person. It happens in church. And we have to be on guard against that because the enemy would desire nothing less than to, to tear apart a church, tear apart a family, and that's how he works. That's how he operates. But when we're seeking first his kingdom, his will to be done in our life, we're going to want what he wants, what he desires. He desires that not one would perish, right? But that all would receive everlasting life. Is that our desire tonight? Is that what we're seeking after? Is that what is driving us, is motivating us? Is that why we came here tonight? in hopes that, Lord, you're going to speak something to me that I can turn around tomorrow and go share with someone. Not, Lord, I'm just coming to, to say that I came to church or to see who's here or who's not here. No, our desire is to do the will of the Father, and the will of the Father always glorifies the Father. It always brings him glory. It always points to him. That's a surefire way to tell uh, a lot about a ministry. What's the heart of the ministry? What are they pointing to? Who are they pointing people to? Come to our program, join our church, uh, you know, all of these things, which in, in a way, those, those are good things. But ultimately, everything about us should be pointing people to Jesus. Because when we start pointing out this way, this way, oh, wow, destruction is coming. We're going to fall because we're human. 
We fail people as hard as we try not to, but he never fails. So why not point people to the one who never fails, who never hurts, who never harms, that everything that he does is out of pure love, a pure motive, not an ulterior motive or a, an agenda, but that we're pointing people to Christ. So if when you first heard this verse, you know how it went. What things soever you desire, when you pray and believe, you shall receive them. If when you first heard that verse, your first thought was, wow, I can get this, and I can get this, and I can get this. I remember being young. The Lord, your word said that if I pray and believe, I can have whatever I desire. But little did I know at an early age that he only blesses his will. He only blesses the will of the Father. And those are the things that we should be desiring. Those are the things that we should be uh, longing for. So we've got to make sure that our desires line up with the will of God. They have to. If they don't, we've got to get rid of them. Now, I want you to, to look at John 14, 13 through 14. It says, And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Just in, uh, backing up the scripture. Jesus said again, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, we know, John 15 and 7, uh, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. You see, one must abide in the vine. And I want you to get this, that the branch desires only that which the vine supplies. The branch desires only that which the vine supplies. So the branch ain't out here jonesing for Dr. Pepper and it's attached to a sun drop, you know? You only, you only desire what the vine supplies. You know me, I'm, I think like that. I, I have to break it down so that my mind can understand it. But when we are grafted in, when we are a branch of the vine, everything that's flowing through him Oh, that's what we desire. That's what we desire. And that's going to in turn produce fruit for others to, to feast on, to live on, to grow on. Us ourselves, we'll be able to do that. We'll be able to grow in that. See, our request of faith must be made in accordance to the Father's will for our lives. I'm thankful that God didn't grant every request that I've made. I mean, just think about it. Think about requests that you made when you were younger and you just thought at that time this is what you really needed. This is what the Lord had for your life. But thankfully, he knows. <laughs> he knows best. He always knows what's best for his children. And, and we know that we've made those requests, but we've made them in the wrong way. James 4 and 3 tells us this. It says, ye ask. And receive not, because you ask amiss, that you may consume it upon your lust. We were asking for the wrong reasons. If I would have had my way, and y'all were going to be like, <gasps> I would have married Joe McIntyre from New Kids on the Block. He was, he was my love. I loved him. 
but I was going to consume it upon my own lust. <laughs> I mean, I really thought I, it was horrible. I would have dreams about marrying him. I was in sixth and seventh grade. But I knew my name. I wrote it. You know, girls, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Summer Hayes McIntyre. I really like the sound of that. <laughs> I really like the sound of that. Yeah, but now it's Summer Hayes Collins, and I'm here, and I have four wonderful children, and I have a church family, you know? But those things that we pray when, when they're not the will of the Lord, thank God he doesn't give us everything that we ask for, everything that we pray for. We may think it's good. But it's not. It's just going to be consumed, and it's going to wither away. See, that person asking for not the will of God, but for their own selfish desires, that's the person that we have to not be, that we have to guard against. Lord, not my will, but your will be done, right? That should always be our cry. The second part of verse 24 says, when you pray. I cannot stress to you enough tonight the vital importance of a prayer life. As a blood-bought, born-again child of God, a prayer life, should, it should be an automatic thing that we desire, that we long for. See, if you don't have a prayer life, you don't have much of a, of a relationship with the Lord. Same with your spouse, because that's how you communicate. If you get married and then you never talk to each other, that marriage is not going to last long. It's the same thing with the Lord. When we accept him as our personal savior, we've entered into a covenant relationship with him. So when we don't desire to spend time with him, to have fellowship with him, to communicate with him, and we would rather go do anything else, we're committing spiritual adultery. And I know that's a term that, that not a lot of people use these days, but it's the truth. It would be the same if you get married, you have a physical husband, but you would rather spend all your time with another man. That's called adultery. So the same holds true in your relationship with the Lord when we enter into that covenant, into that relationship with the Lord, we should long and desire to have communion with him. And that comes through prayer. See, the Father longs for fellowship and communication with us. Did you know that the Bible speaks of prayer over 375 times? It uses the phrase, when you pray, or pray, or have prayed. Over 375 times. I think he wants us to get it. You know, nothing is put in the word of God over and over and over and over again if it's not for us to, oh, I need to get this. I need to be doing this. I need to participate in this. We must be a people of prayer. We have prayer here on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. And I will say those prayer meetings are growing. Praise the Lord. But I long for the day when there's not a seat in the house, when there's not room in the floor because there's people laying on their faces before the Lord, crying out to him to come to have his way. Not only in my personal life, but in the life of this church and everyone that's going to walk through those doors and everyone that crosses my path. Lord, have your way. 
See, it starts with me. It starts with you developing that prayer life. It's a discipline that turns into a love where you, you don't want to go without it. I mean, I find myself during the day, I, I'm talking to the Lord all day long. Uh, the kids, Mama, who are you talking to? The Lord. <laughs> He's the only one who listens. <laughs> He didn't say, oh, wait a minute, what did you say? Can you tell me that one more time? I forgot. I'm sorry. Thank the Lord. I can go to him when he hears me. Right? Any time, any time of the day, it doesn't have to be at a scheduled meeting. He wants to talk to us all the time. Every moment of every day, we should be a people of prayer. Verse 24 goes on to say, not just pray, but one word, believe. Not just pray, but believe. Do you believe, truly believe that he can do, answer, provide, protect, heal, on and on and on? Whatever it is that you're asking him for, whatever it is that you're asking him to do, do you believe it? Do you truly believe it? You see, because if you don't truly believe and you have doubt in your heart, that's like oil and water. They don't mix, but it happens. And the Lord gives us a beautiful illustration of that. And we look at Mark 9, 24, and you just flip back a page or so, a page or two. But Mark 9, 24, it says, And straightway the father of the child cried out. And this says, speaks of a loud cry that comes from the very depths of the man's soul. And said with tears, Lord, I believe. Now, this proclaims belief, but yet imperfect belief. The tears proclaim the consternation of the battle that is raging in the man's soul. He goes on to say, help thou mine unbelief. And that right there proclaims the deficiency of his faith. It is a prayer that the Lord always answers. That is a prayer that the Lord always answers. Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. Lord, help me. You know those times when you have faced what seems to be a mountain. And you can't in your own little mind figure it out. You cannot see past it or around it or how in the world you'll get over it or tunnel through it. It's not that you don't believe. This man believed. He believed the Lord. But in his own strength, in his own mind, he couldn't see how. That's why the Holy Spirit steps in. And faith rises up to give us that faith to believe. That is a faith that we can't, as I said in the beginning, we can't produce that kind of faith on our own. So don't get down on yourself thinking, well, I just don't have enough faith. No, that's a lie from the enemy. Because if you've got Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, you've got faith to say, Mountain, be thou removed, and it shall be removed. Not because of you, but because of the Holy Spirit having the right to work in and through you. I love that scripture right there because it tells us that 
There's no hopeless case. There's nothing too hard. And when we're honest with the Lord, he will answer that cry. So if someone tells you that you're not healed because of a lack of faith, that's not true. It's unbelief (laughs) is what it boils down to. You have to admit, I can't, you can help. If we act like we've got it all together, we've got great faith, oh, I've got great faith, nothing's going to move me, right? That's self-righteousness, and the Lord's not going to accept that because he knows what frail and fragile people we are. We're just dust. (laughs) That's what we are. That's why he gives us his Holy Spirit to come in and empower us to do the work that we can't do great faith is realizing i can't but he already has that's great faith i can't do this lord i can't but i'm calling on you because i know you can and in fact you already have you've already done it he's already done it no matter what the it may be so you develop that through prayer it brings you to that place of not self-reliance but total dependency upon him. I've got nothing, Lord. The last part of that verse, verse 24, says that you receive them and that you shall have them. My expositor's notes here says that's pretty obvious. The receiving of these things, whatever they might be, requires relationship, and that's the key. Do you have a relationship with the Father tonight? That when you ask him something, you believe that you're going to receive it. You have full assurance that he's going to be on time. That he's going to show up. That he's going to provide. He does it time and time and time again. I've said it for the last few weeks. We could go around this room tonight. And each person, I'm sure, has a faith story. A story where the Lord just provided out of nowhere. I mean, you had no idea, and the Lord stepped in. Why? Not because you were crunching the numbers and and doing all this stuff, worrying yourself to death. No, you just believed that he would. You believed that he would. The Word tells us that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He rewards us by coming in. By swooping in. You know, when we find ourselves standing at the base of a mountain, we got to know deep down inside of us, Lord, you're about to do something great. You're about to show up in a big way because there's no way. There's no way. There have been times in our lives when we've been in front of mountains, lost everything. That time I had three kids. I remember, and I probably shared this story with you before, Jason had lost his job and and all these things, and we go to the grocery store, and the kids usually just throw stuff in the buggy, and one of them threw something in, and Noah takes it out and says, we're not rich anymore. (laughs) We can't have this, and puts it back as if we were ever rich. But nothing was ever tossed back out of the buggy, I guess, that he could remember. Impossible situations that we didn't know how. I I can't tell you how many times I've 
pulled into the grocery store parking lot and sat out and had to pray that meat would be on sale. And don't you know, you'd go in and it would be on sale. It would even be buy one, get one. And I'd be like, thank you, Lord, for pork chops. Lord, you are so good because I thought we were going to be eating by any weenies tonight. But he's that good. He's that concerned. I just prayed and I just believed. I mean, I'm walking in that grocery store. Lord, what, what meat are you going to have for me tonight? Whatever it is, Lord, I know I'm going to see it. The butcher may have just put the tag on it. Reduced for quick sale. That's me. <laughs> it's kind of almost turning brown, but let me, let me get it in the frying pan real fast. right? But those are God things. Those are faith moments that the Lord allows us to experience just to grow us in our walk, in our relationship with him. You know why? Because the next time I go right back to him, daily I'll go right back to him and believe him for the impossible. Believe him for more. And I know I'm talking about trivial things like pork chops and and things like that, but those are things that we face every day. But believing for uh, a child that's turned their back on the Lord. Believe in the Lord for a wayward spouse or for healing, or, or those things that are true mountains in our lives. If he's going to grant those small things, he's already taken care of the big things. We've just got to continue to believe him for it, just to believe him for it. Now, verse 25 right here, this is the expectation of faith. 25 and 26 is, I'll start with 25. It says, and when you stand praying, forgive. Wow. If you have all against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. See, some people would argue that Jesus kind of switched his focus here, but he didn't. He continued to speak in the same context. He's speaking of praying prayers of faith in order to receive that which we desire from the Lord. And as we seek the Lord by faith, we, okay, we can do that. We can seek the Lord by faith. But here's the next part. We must examine ourselves. We must examine our own hearts to ensure that we are right with God and with everybody around us. Because if there's any issues, if there's any animosity, if there's any bitterness, anything like that going on toward another brother or a sister, we must be willing to forgive them before we even think we can ask him for something. Why? Because it tells us if we don't forgive, he's not going to answer us. He's not going to move in our lives. And a lot of times that's, that's hard. That is hard for believers when really it should be easy because we realize the great amount of forgiveness that was given to us just to be saved. He forgave it all, all my sins, all my shame, everything. He forgave it all. So why would I hold something against a brother or a sister when in reality it doesn't even matter? We're talking about eternity here. And if you want the Lord to hear your prayers, you've got to forgive now, I'm going to tell you, 
Prayer is the greatest tool that we have uh, as a Christian. It's a means, again, that we communicate with the Lord. We bring our request. And we are commanded to pray without ceasing. The Word tells us that every aspect of our lives should be bathed in prayer. We're expected to pray for other people, not just for our immediate needs. But we limit our effectiveness in prayer when we're unwilling to forgive and address the needs in our own lives. Uh, I said it uh, several weeks ago. We're plank-eyed saints. I think I said it Tuesday morning on Bible study. You know, we're walking around with this big plank in our own eye, and we're trying to pick out the splinters in everybody else's eye. Oh, well, they did that wrong. They, they don't do this. They don't do that. No, all the while we've got this big plank sticking out of our own eye. When we go to the Lord in prayer, our first, thank you, Lord, but then search my heart, Lord. Reveal any wickedness that's in me. Bring things to light, Lord. Maybe people I've wronged and I don't even realize it, Lord. Areas in my life that I've withheld forgiveness, Lord. Show it to me so I can go and make it right. There's nothing in this life, there's nothing in this world worth holding on to that could possibly keep us from getting to the Father. There's nothing worth it. Absolutely nothing. We've got to humble ourselves, right? And strive to have a pure heart when we pray. I know I'm a mess. I know I mess things up. I know I've made people mad. It wasn't my heart, but things happen. But when we're actively seeking the Lord and asking him to show us those things, he will. I've had to go apologize to people, really not even knowing what I've done, but the Lord stirred it in my heart to just go and say, if I've done anything, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, please forgive me. Maybe I was having a bad day. We all have those, right? But the Lord will bring those things He'll, he'll stir those things in our heart, and we better listen to him. Why? Because he wants to forgive us. He wants to answer our prayers. That's why he stirs those things up in our hearts. So tonight I'm praying and believing as he's stirred in my own heart that he's going to stir in your heart because he wants to do a work in your life. And I don't want anything to stop that flow. I don't want anything to stop him from doing his work. So then it goes on to say, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have all... Um, again, we cannot accept God to hear or answer our prayers if we're unwilling to forgive the trespasses of another. There's no doubt that we've all failed the Lord. We've all missed the mark. None of us live above sin. We are in this world, and we're going to face these things. But we have to go to the Lord and make things right. Ask him to show us, to lead us. Verse 26, and I'm trying to hurry. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father forgive, which is in heaven. Forgive your trespasses. See, Jesus revealed a sobering word for us when we refuse to deal with the sin in our own lives, which includes refusing to forgive uh, the trespasses of another. We can't expect the Lord to forgive us. See, the attitude of our heart, our heart has an attitude. <laughs> the attitude of our heart and our willingness to address personal sin has a direct bearing on our prayer life. Because sometimes you can be in prayer and praying things about other people and all this stuff, and all the while the Lord's like, you. <laughs> He's placing his finger on my heart. You're the one who needs it. 
You're the one who needs prayer. You're the one who needs forgiveness. But we can get so busy and so self-righteous and thinking that, oh, I'm not going to hurt anybody. (laughs) You know, I've never done anything wrong. No, we all have. We've all missed the mark. And I'm going to put this in here. Uh, If we have forgiven someone, this will show you if you've truly forgiven someone. If you've truly forgiven someone, you're not going to continue to talk about them. You're not going to continue to rehash everything that happened to you in the past to other people. You're not going to do that. That's not forgiveness. When you have forgiven someone, it's done, and you move on. You don't go back. You don't pull it up. You don't talk about the details again. You don't say, well, gosh, I wish I'd have said that, or, or if they would have said that, I wouldn't have been mad at it. You don't do that. You just forgive and move on, even if the other party's not willing to accept it or, or come to the table to even talk about it. You forgive to free yourself, not to free the other person. Unforgiveness, we say this all the time, is like you drinking poison waiting on the person in front of you to die. It doesn't work that way. You just forgive in your heart. And the Lord brings about such a great healing in our hearts. And there's been things that's done to us, hard things, horrible, horrific things that we should have never had to go through. But we live in a fallen world, and we all go through these things. But in order to get to where he's calling us to be, to do the things that he's desiring to do in our lives, we've got to forgive and let it stay in the past and move on. That's just what we've got to do. I, uh, I think I might have stole this from Aaron. I'm not sure. Somebody posted it on Facebook, and I loved it. Jesus knew Judas's heart, and he washed his feet anyway. Jesus knew that he was going to be betrayed. He knew all of that, but he washed his feet anyway. What an example for us. There's no one in this world that's going to do to us, the great evil, go to the great lengths to, to sell us out, as was done to Jesus. And yet, he forgave. He loved. He served. And that's what he's called us to do. That's what he's commanded us to do. In order to be a follower of him, we've got to walk in his footsteps. His footsteps say forgive. They say let go. They say serve, love. So if you find your feet taking you to a place where that's not happening, you're not walking in his footsteps. You're following Satan. You're not about the Father's business, but the exact opposite. So tonight, I know it it gets a little heavy, but thank God for it because there's forgiveness. (laughs) The word tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us, to wash us, free from all unrighteousness. He will do that for us. But we've got to take that step, that step to him, to allow him to do that work. So I'm going to ask you to stand tonight. And and anything that I said tonight, at the beginning, whatsoever you desire, if you ask and you got excited thinking, I'm going to ask for a million dollars and then realized, oh, that's not what he's talking about, right? From that 
to harboring unforgiveness in your heart. If any of those things touch your heart tonight, and if we're true with ourselves, if we're honest with ourselves, it should touch all of our hearts because we've all been there. We might be there at this very moment, but he's here. He's here to do a work in our lives, to get us over that mountain, to remove that mountain out of our life so that we can experience him in a way that we haven't in a long time. That's his desire. That's what he longs to do tonight. So as the music plays, I'm going to ask you just to respond, to come spend some time with the Lord at the altar and let him speak to you. He's got things to tell you. You've just got to come ready to listen, ready to hear. Go ahead. There are things in every journey that can break us. There are burdens that can bring us to our knees. But it's in those moments when our faith is weakest that we simply stand our ground and just believe. So Still 
Father, we thank you, Lord, for tonight. I thank you for your presence in this house. I thank you, Lord, for things that were brought to light, Lord, as we just surrendered ourselves to you. We laid our hearts at your feet, Lord. And I know, God, that good things are going to come from this, Lord. God, that those seasons of of dryness, Lord, those seasons in in the wilderness, Lord, now they're going to begin to flow, Lord. Rivers of life, Lord, are going to begin to flow through us, Lord, and we thank you for it. God, I pray that your word continue to work as we know it will, Lord, as we leave and go our separate ways, Lord, that you continue to convict our hearts, that you continue to shine your light on our hearts, Lord, to show us those things that we need to lay at your feet, God. We thank you for loving us, for dying for us, and we're looking forward for you to forward for you to come again to receive us lord as your bride we thank you and we give you all the praise in jesus name amen and amen love you guys don't forget about all the announcements you can pick up a september